Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. What's up, everybody? Before we launch into today's episode, we have a very exciting announcement. We here at the Command Zone are hiring. That's right. If you've ever dreamed of turning your love of Magic the Gathering and Commander into a career, if you want to work with uh, creative professionals in a fast-paced environment that's really rewarding, if you're creative, ambitious, hardworking, passionate... We want you on our team. And one thing, Jimmy, is mm-hmm. that's really cool, I think, is we have a lot of positions open, and it's all the way from people who are entry-level with no experience to people with uh, that are experts in their field that oh, have a perfect. lot of experience. We, we yeah. want people all along that spectrum. I think this is a really cool place to work. Uh, hopefully, you would agree. Yeah, I think so. It's been one of the best parts of my life for the last seven years. And if you're looking for a way to get into showbiz, the entertainment industry, online content creation, there is no better place. We very much look forward to seeing everyone's applications. Yeah. So that uh, link is collected.company slash jobs. The link will be in the show notes, so you don't have to memorize it or anything. Mm -hmm. But please, if you're interested, if you want to join our team, follow that link, apply for one of the positions or multiple positions, and uh, hopefully we're talking to you very soon. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone. All right. Let's get on with the episode. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. What's up, everybody? You are watching slash listening to the Command Zone podcast. I am one of your hosts on this fine day, and my name is Jimmy Wong. And I'm your other host. My name is DJ. And we are reviewing AFR, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. Oh boy, set reviews are back, and there's plenty of interesting cards to talk about. Thankfully, we've already covered red and blue, and today we are covering black and white. Very interesting. So before we get into it, Dungeons and Dragons is a great set, and you're probably going to want to get a part of this into your playset as well or your deck. So head on over to cardkingdom.com slash command zone. That's the number one place to go if you are looking to purchase anything in AFR, AFC, the commander decks. Maybe you missed something from Modern Horizons. Who knows? There's lots of awesome cards to put into your decks. I know I need a couple more Esper Sentinels. That's the thing I'll be on the hunt out for. Um, and of course... Another way to support the show is by purchasing Ultra Pro products. Ultra Pro is one of our great sponsors of the show, and they make all of the play mats and the deck boxes and the sleeves, everything that we use to adorn our decks and keep them nice, safe, and sound. And actually, right now, we have a Kickstarter going on for our very own Game Night deck box made by Ultra Pro. This is an extremely high-quality product, and we have a very limited supply. So if you haven't pledged already, well, I'm hoping that it's still there and it hasn't been sold out yet. So pause this video, click on the link in the show notes below. You'll be able to get straight 
straight to that and you'll be able to see and bid and get right into the action and get your secure your pledge today for the game nights deck box you don't want to miss out it's definitely an awesome piece of equipment and you can carry two 100 double sleeved decks in there dj and i are both double sleeved fanatics so we know how important that is every single deck is double sleeved every single actually you know what i actually have one and I'm disgusted with myself. I need <laughs> to. Have, I need to. Yeah, we have one double single sleeve. Yeah, I need to. I need to fix that ASAP. But before I do, I will also let you know that Patreon.com/slash/CommandZone is the last and final way to support the show directly. We love our patrons, and we shout out one lucky patron every single episode. And this episode is dedicated to, to Steve Botjer. Botjer. Steve. Steve. You rock. You do rock, indeed. All right, let's get right into it. White, black cards in Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. I'm really hoping to see some standouts here from white. We know they need the help. So let's kick it off with... The Book of Exalted Deeds. White, white, white for a legendary artifact. At the beginning of your end step, if you gained three or more life this turn, create a 3-3 white angel creature token with flying. Nice. Then you can pay... White, 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 tap, exile the Book of Exalted Deeds, put an enlightened counter on target angel. It gains, you can't lose the game, and your opponents can't win the game. Activate only as a sorcery. Platinum Angel. Platinum Angel, right. Uh, very interesting. So for white, 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 you get an artifact. You, you can probably gain three life pretty easily in any angel deck. There's lots of life gain decks running around now. Easily gain three life. I, I think that if your deck is humming like it's supposed to, you are creating a 3-3 three, three angel every single turn. Every single and turn. And for white, 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 that's amazing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Aristocrats decks as well, you know, just sacking three creatures, draining three from everyone, that's going to gain you that three life, and you're going to make that 3-3 three, three angel. Uh, and then for another three mana... Get rid of this thing on your turn, of course, but then you get to get your own Platinum Angel. Woo! Wow. I think that's awesome. Yeah, not to mention Platinum Angel is a more expensive card. It's seven mana seven for mana, just the Platinum right? Angel. So in this case, you get to have a three mana card that occasionally, maybe every single turn, pumps out three threes. If you get this out as early as turn three, you could be having, you know, five or six angels out of this by the end of the game. And then when things get dicey because everyone's going to look at you and want to murder you for all your angels, blam, <laughs> you get to make one of them a Platinum Angel. I think that one of the coolest uh, things to make a Platinum Angel is something like a Mutavault. Oh. Because your, your Mutavault is a land and you can activate it and it can become, it's every creature type. It's a shapeshifter changeling, right? Yeah, 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 Angel. And so you can make that Mutavault into that Platinum Angel and then it goes back into being a land. Oh, and then that card, it still has the text on it. You can't lose the game and your opponents can't win the game. Which makes it super difficult for people to interact with. Yeah, that's lovely. I would try and put this on an Avacyn because that thing is indestructible oh, and yeah. so is everything else. So <laughs> at that point, or maybe another angel at that point if Avacyn is out because Avacyn is usually a lightning rod for removal. But that seems pretty awesome. I do like this card quite a bit. Um, and I like where the power level is. It's It fits directly into those angel life gain decks. Yeah. But it isn't so busted that it's a must include in every single deck. But it definitely adds power to white in general yeah it seems like uh it goes in very specific decks it's powerful in a narrow way yeah you know and i'm and i'm a big fan of that big fan of that as well all right next up we do have an equipment it is the dancing sword and if you look at the art it has danced its way right through a goblin's arm one in the white for an artifact equipment equip creature gets plus two plus one and the equip cost is one 
However, this has really interesting text on it. When equipped creature dies, you may have Dancing Sword become a 2-1 construct artifact creature with flying and ward 1. If you do, it isn't an equipment. So ward 1 just means that if it becomes the target of something, they have to pay an extra 1 mana on top to target it. So this is great. Wait, this what's is a equip cost? 1. Wow, this is super efficient. You know, Bone Splitter or other cards out there that are very efficient power pumping cards, you know, this is two mana to put down and one to equip. That is a great power boost to a lot of creatures. Plus I think two this plus is great. one, it gives toughness as well. That's pretty this cool. Is, uh, I think that this is awesome. I think that this is a really efficient way to get power onto a creature fast. Yeah, and then when that creature dies, it can become a creature itself, which does seem like one of the big downfalls of a lot of the equipment decks is that you load all your stuff onto a creature, it dies, and then blame you don't have a creature to equip your stuff onto, but the Dancing Sword can become another creature that you equip more things onto. So it's dancing as a sword and has other swords on it. <laughs> I think that it is phenomenal because like you said, sometimes your creature dies and yeah, you might have another creature to attach everything onto, but you don't want to take a turn off getting another creature on the battlefield, equipping everything else on. Mm -hmm. So this just automatically becomes your creature. It's exactly what you want in, um, in equipment decks too. Evasive. Yeah. It's got flying. Uh, it's hard to kill. Well, harder to kill with ward one it's oh, just a yeah, little bit it's a, it's a little bit annoying you know what i mean yeah i, I love the idea of a, a flying great. sword yeah through the air i think this is fantastic in most equipment decks which is again it's narrow but it's very good mm -hmm. which is exactly where the power level i think should be and i think akiri fearless voyager might be the best fit for this card perfect perfect all right next up we've got flumph flumph it's one and a white for a zero four jellyfish it's got defender and flying Whatever Flumph is dealt <laughs> damage, you and target opponent each draw a card. Is Flumph farting in this picture? What is happening? Uh, it, it has to be. It's like... Wait, why would it be farting? Both of you draw a card on flavor-wise, you know? Maybe it's like a pleasant smelling fart. <laughs> it's a pleasant one. But it's enough for Flumph to be, to like evade the damage enough because he's he's clear, or it, whatever it is, is evading jellyfish. the damage. Jellyfish. Jellyfish, yeah. yeah, of course. The fish is evading it. So Defender Tribal, right? One mana, zero four flyer Defender. Uh... It, interestingly, it is kind of a group hug card because you want your opponent to swing a 2-2 into it, right? I think that it's nice because you get to choose how to do that. So if you swing a 2-2 at me, I'll just be like, no, nah, no, thank you. But, <laughs> but sometimes we might make a deal. I'm like, Jimmy, swing your 1-1 at me. And then right. we both draw a card. Yeah. I, I actually think that that's good white card draw to politically like change things up and give certain people cards and deny other people cards. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think putting this in Arcades, the strategist, is good. Perfect. But at that point, it becomes a four-power creature, basically. Four-four flyer! Yeah, so that's nice, yes. too. And then if you do get trades with it, then you both draw a card, so that's not the worst in the world. Um, but yeah, this, I mean, around the turntable, the turntable, the table's <laughs> turn, you could be drawing three cards if three different people swing into it. I mean, that's that's a really good mark. Because if you think about it this way, some people just really hate the symmetrical effect of, like, you draw a card and I draw a card. Right. But let's just say you say to everyone, everyone gets to draw a card. Okay, you draw a card, Josh draws a card, and Ashlyn draws a card. I've drawn three cards. Ah. It is not symmetrical, symmetrical in that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if you can politically choose who's drawing cards or just get reliable card draw from everyone, like this turns out to be great. And honestly, if you were the mono white player that came at me and went, hey, look, just if you want to do something this turn, I can guarantee you that you draw an extra card, just swing it into my flump. I'd be like, yeah, sure, why not? I'll give you an extra card because I'm getting a card. But yeah, if you do it for three people, that's three cards for you and one for each of them. That's really nice. I like that a lot. Hopefully we see more of that around the table. 
Okay, next up we have the Planeswalker in white. It is the Grand Master of Flowers. Two white white for a Bahamut, three loyalty Planeswalker. Haven't seen that word around since Final Fantasy, I feel like. Oh. As long as Grandmaster of Flowers has seven or more loyalty counters on him, he's a 7-7 seven, seven dragon god creature with flying and indestructible. Ah, okay. Nice. His He has two plus ones. The first plus one says target creature without first strike, double strike, or vigilance can't attack or block until your next turn. And the other plus one is search your library and or graveyard for a card called Monk of the Open Hand. Reveal it and put it into your hand. If you search your library this way, shuffle. Oh my gosh, what could Monk of the Open Hand be? Must be so powerful. It must be so cool. It's a one mana one one that gets plus one plus one counters when you cast more than one spell turn, right? So not great. Okay, so yeah. we're not we're not really defending it with the Monk of the Open Hand, but we can lock down a single creature. Uh, so getting this up to a 7-7 seven, seven dragon is... Unlikely. Yeah, so if it's unlikely, and that's clearly the best use for this card, how good is it? I think this card's actually pretty bad. I think it's bad, too. Because the second ability, if Monk of the Open Hand was a really cool card, then great. Thumbs up. However, the other ability is just locking down one creature. It doesn't even give you a creature to block with. And even if you were able to double the counters on this with your doubling season, it doesn't even get to seven loyalty counters. It gets to six, and then you have to plus one to get to that seven. So it's going to take a lot of time for people to, I don't know, like it just doesn't seem like what you want to be doing here in general. Um, it, there are a lot of Planeswalkers in white. Grandmaster of Flowers, I don't think really makes the cut, but the flavor is pretty awesome, and the art's pretty cool, too. Yeah, I think that a lot of the aspects of it are really great, but it's not going to end up performing exactly the way that we want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because multiplayer, you know what I mean? I can yeah. see in 1v1, like, oh, like, I lock down the one creature you have to attack me. Oh, I lock that one down. Ooh, I go get a monk, you know? Yeah. Put it yeah, on the yeah. battlefield, I deploy something else. Like, I can see the tempo working in that area, but uh, with more than one player, like, no one's going to let that thing stick around to become a 7-7 indestructible god Thing? And it's so easy to keep it off of that by just pinging it and hitting it for one small amount, right? And then you're just set so far back if you're trying to go for that. Absolutely. Okay, next up we have Guardian of Faith. It's one white white for a 3-2 Spirit Knight. It has Flash and Vigilance. And when Guardian of Faith enters the battlefield, any number of other target creatures you control phase out. Ooh, so you treat them and anything attached to them as though they don't exist until their controller's next turn. Three mana, creature-based board protection. It's Teferi's Protection, but on a creature. Amazing. It only cares about creatures. Amazing. This is the stuff that White is clearly moving into. We had Out of Time, right, which was the fa the enchantment that like got rid of a lot of stuff on the board. We've had Teferi's Protection, and now Guardian of Faith is adding itself to the list. I believe this is... This is an area of the color pie that Magic is clearly exploring with white, which is phasing stuff out, taking it off the battlefield temporarily. It's kind of a downside, right? Because if you had activated abilities and stuff, you can't use it. But it's also protection. And it's not, and it's a space that I think white fits really well into, which is just like, we're going to protect ourselves. We're going to hold back and we're not going to get affected by this board wipe or psych rift or whatever it is. Yeah, I think that cyclonic rift is the main thing because phasing out, like you said, does have some downsides because you phase out through everyone's turn. So it's not just like you might board wipe, you know, or Cyclonic Rift or something like that, else, but someone else might uh, yeah. be able to impact the board. And Teferi's Protection phases you, the player, out. But if you just have Guardian of Faith out, then people can still attack you. 
Um, but I think that white needs this because white automatically is going to commit a lot of stuff to the board. Like yeah. you just have to play creatures and creature based decks. You have to have a critical mass of stuff for white to work. And so you need to be able to find ways to protect it. And a lot of times these were three mana spells that just gave things indestructible or blinked yeah. them out for a little bit or something like that. Or brought and, them back to the la- yeah. from the graveyard to the And there were a lot yeah. of different and number one, it, it went away from the creature based strategy, but also there are a lot of things that got around it like Cyclonic Rift, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. This answers the rifts out there and it's a creature so that you have more things that synergize it in your deck. I think it's amazing. Yeah, it's great. It's a spirit knight. So work in those knight decks as well. I know that those have been on the up and up, but Guardian of Faith looks to be a pretty staple-ish card, it would appear. All right, next up is Ingenious Smith. It's a 1-1 creature human artificer. When Ingenious Smith enters the battlefield, look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal an artifact card from among them and put it into your hand, put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Whenever one or more artifacts enter the battlefield under your control, put a plus one, plus one counter on Ingenious Smith. This ability triggers only once each turn. So... This is an, a humble little card. It it kind of uh, makes me think of Glintness Crane in, yeah, in blue, card. but this is in white. And so when you have some uh, some card draw that works in white, I think you do need to pay a little bit of closer attention to it. Also, there are white decks out there that you know look for artifacts and synergize with artifacts. And so I think that this could be something for some of those players out yeah i think this is actually a nice really nice card again for a more niche strategy either equipment decks or sort of like your osgear the reconstructor decks oh yeah uh you can flicker the body as well ephemerate is an amazing card in white so you're going to get that ability more than once to draw stuff off of it or protect it um and then equipment decks like dapala or wyleth or akiri all want this sort of effect so i like it a lot it's also a pretty cheap body that gets bigger can hold equipment so this is an all-around just nice card for those uh those those types of decks yeah i feel like it's gonna get you it's gonna replace itself it's gonna get you the artifact that you want Mm -hmm. and then actually over a series of turns it's gonna get pretty big yeah uh and it's gonna start becoming a threat and people are gonna be like oh man this one thing that already bought itself it already replaced itself you can play early on is now worth a little bit more i can dig it all right next up we got loyal warhound one and a white for a three one dog look how big this dog is or is the person small uh both (laughs) <laughs> but it's, it's a, a great dog it says though. a paladin steed is a celestial spirit in an animal form i mean look at this dog it's huge love that dog okay this good boy has vigilance <laughs> and when loyal warhound enters the battlefield if an opponent controls more lands than you search your library for a basic planes card put it onto the battlefield tap the shuffle hey, yes two mana conditional ramp in white on a body it's a staple it's a staple it's just straight up a staple. Night of the White Orchid, we read online uh, 18,000 decks, so 7% of the decks out there that were cataloged. That is a staple in and of itself. This will also be a staple, I believe, mm. especially because it's a dog. It's a relevant creature type, too. And it's a little bit easier to cast one in a white. Yeah, instead of white, white, I mean? totally, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, if you have Rin and Seri as your commander, you already have green, but look, now you have another dog that synergizes and gets you mana onto the battlefield basic planes only but look i can't complain when white gets stuff like this we need more of it and now that there's just another version of it great awesome perfect and it it doesn't hurt any formats i don't think it doesn't hurt commander doesn't damage it this is exactly where i want white to be looking at so right now i'm very happy with the white cards so so happy so far i'm feeling great 
All right, next up we have uh, Paladin Class. So this, this is a series of cards. Every single color has one, as well as there's a multicolored set. These are kind of like sagas uh, or level-up cards in that you have multiple levels, and it's an enchantment with a new type called Class. So when you play this... You uh, play it for one white mana, and the first effect on this enchantment that goes into effect immediately is spells your opponents cast during your turn cost one more to cast. So it's a slight tax on everything that they're doing when it's your turn. Now you can pay two and a white to level it to level two, and when you pay two and a white, you get creatures you control get plus one, plus one. Keep in mind that you can only level up at sorcery speed. And then four and a white, you get to level three, and it says whenever you attack until end of turn, target attacking creature gets plus one, plus one for each other attacking creature, and gains double strike. Ooh! That's, yeah. a big, that's a big effect at the end right there. So, one man to get a card that makes your opponents slightly slower during your turn. Doesn't seem to be too effective because they can just cast up during another turn. Four mana, one and two in the white, to give you an entire anthem to your team for plus one, plus one, and then one, plus three, plus five nine mana to Ooh. get this final ability whenever you attack until end of turn target attack creature gets plus one plus one for each other attacking creature so you want to go wide and then that creature gains double strike all right so i think that w- sometimes when we're looking at these classes we look at one of the levels and we're like "Ooh, i want that mm-hmm. you know we look at this last level and we say we want that that's definitely the best i, I definitely would want that yeah, more than the other two even. but the thing is is that you have to get there and if you're looking for a big powerful splashy effect uh, it's not worth nine mana. So you yeah. have to want the levels before it uh, as well. Do you know what I mean? And you have to be able to position yourself so that you pay for level th- two at a certain point. And then at, when you get to level three, you're able to do that on top of whatever else you need to do so that you're not just dumping mana into this and nothing is nothing is affected on the board. So you got to build out your board and strategically sort of level this up at the right point because it's not all at once, right? Yeah, and sorcery speed means that you have to plan it out like you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the first thing, spells, your opponents cannot have to pay one more. I think that if an opponent really wants to interact with you, they'll do it at instant speed, or they'll pay the mana around it, or something like that. It's not like it prevents you from being counterspelled or something like that. Yeah. So that's a pretty minimal effect that works a lot better in, in one-on-one mm-hmm. when you know, you're actually shutting down half of your opponent's ability to play, all of your opponent's ability to play on other people's turns. Right, right. Whereas in Commander, you know, Jimmy might be taxed on my turn, but he'll just play just it on Josh's like, turn or yeah, exactly. Ashton's turn or something like that. I do like that you can choose which attacking creature gets this double strike because it could be the angel and your five other soldiers are attacking so it gets plus five plus five for all those attacking creatures and double strike is going to hit for a ton so that's nice there um what about the anthem i i think that anthems in general need to be bigger in commander like plus one plus one in limited is very good like this this is a bomb in limited right but in commander plus one plus one those little anthems they don't they're they're not very widely used yeah like cathar's crusade for instance right it's going to get you a lot more plus one plus one counters and it's going to cost you five mana of four total here so there's a lot of different ways to get anthems i don't think that's what you're playing this card for the last ability for sure well and then I mean, you mentioned Cathar's Crusade. Like, isn't that just better than the the last ability on this? Like, that's good enough. That's powerful enough. You know, especially in a go-wide deck where you described five soldiers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's better than moving through this entire class system. Um, what true. about other enchantments that give you double strike? Like, uh, you wrote down True Conviction. True Conviction, yeah. There's a lot of other stuff that does this out there. I think 
the best thing about the Paladin class, again, is if you see your deck able to really curve out nicely with it and you're able to invest the mana at the right times to get the effects when you need it. Because maybe you don't need a plus one, plus one anthem on turn one, two, three, four, five, or even six. Maybe you don't need this level three until turn eight or nine when you're going to win the game with that effect. So if that's the case, and I could see Paladin class being more mana efficient than dumping five mana on a turn for, say, and then that's all you can do that turn. Mm. So it, it could be, it could work a little bit better that way. Um, I, I think, again, these are the types of cards that you have to play a lot to really see how they work out. But I think this would work better in theory uh, than than on the table, but I'd have to see exactly. Um, you know, it's great with Audric Master Tactician, though, because it allows you to choose how creatures block and which ones block so that you can definitely get that big one through with Double Strike. Nice. But it's really bad with Audric Lunarch Marshall because the trigger that he has, which grants all those extra abilities oh, like Double Strike, Double Strike, it happens at the beginning of combat, not when you attack. And Paladin oh. class has it when you attack. But that card's still really interesting. And the fact that we talked about it for so long means that it potentially could see a lot of play. Yeah, I like the classes in general. I think that they um, that a lot of times people will people will fixate on one or two of the different one ones. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing is that if you can move through all of them, you get all of the abilities. And yeah. so it's almost like you're drawing a card by leveling it up when the card is already deployed on the battlefield. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so if you want all three of the abilities, you are getting a card's worth of value every time you pay that upgraded cost. Right. And it all sits on one card and you don't necessarily have to go through all of them to, because you may not want level three or level two even. Exactly. Okay. Right. Next up, we have teleportation circle. It's three and a white for an enchantment at the beginning of your end step, exile up to one target artifact or creature you control, then return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control. Hallelujah. Conjurer's closet. <laughs> the new wow. casa white Conjurer's needs this is, Conjurer's Closet is great people play it all the time uh, this, this is a staple yeah it's gotta be a staple right? this is definitely a staple um, wow that we now have mentioned I think two staple cards in white in AFR for Commander that's fantastic this right Conjurer's Closet is just one of the best cards in blank decks you get to choose a creature every single turn uh, on your turn to bounce come back and re-get that enter the battlefield ability this one includes artifacts as well Ooh, I like that. You know, there are some artifacts out there that I like blinking. Like uh, my my newest uh, fan is blinking Archaeomancer's map. Ah, very getting more, nice. Getting more planes, nice. you know, for great, sure. Great, great card. Yeah. Uh, if you're playing a Brago deck and Osgir the Reconstructor deck, Brea has a bunch of artifacts that like being blinked. Alayla Artful Provocateur also likes you casting artifacts and probably getting Enter the Battlefield effects from them. So this just looks like a fantastic card. Uh, great. It's great. Great, great, great card. So glad. I mean, I think... Honestly, they probably could have made this like two white white so that not every deck that can just play white is just going to jam it in there. But I'm not complaining. I think, yeah. Yeah. Thumbs up. Big thumbs up. Teleportation circle. Awesome card. Wow. So white, let's give a quick overview. Uh, outside of Flump being the best name in the set so far, I thought Dancing Sword was really powerful. Great in equipment decks. Yeah. You know? Loyal Warhound was just great to have I mean, more that's that a effect. solid card all over the place. But even Flump that you mentioned, like that, those Defender decks, I think it's really solid. Same thing with the, the Book of Exalted Deeds. That goes great in Life Gain decks or Angel decks. Yeah. So those are really like narrow. But overall, you've still got some powerhouses, you know? Uh, Guardians of Faith. Yeah, Guardian of Faith and Teleportation Circle are both very powerful cards. Not to mention they work really well together. <laughs> you can flicker the Guardian of Faith and keep phasing stuff out. <laughs> you 
just phase out. You just are always phased out. Yeah, always some something that's phased out. Be like, I don't want you guys to touch this card. That, that is hilarious. You're just phased out every single turn. Oh my gosh. Fun stuff. All right. Uh, so that's white, and it is definitely overperformed for us. Thank uh, goodness. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors, but when we come back, we're going to talk about all of the great black cards. Let's see if they can measure up to these amazing white staples. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome one, welcome all to the set review for Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. We are now moving on to the Death Priest of Mirkol, which is the black first black card we'll talk about that might go into the 99 of your decks. This is a two black black creature tiefling cleric. That's a 2-2. Two, two. Skeletons, vampires, and zombies you control get plus one, plus one. At the beginning of your end step, if a creature died this turn, you may pay one mana. If you do, create a 1-1 black skeleton creature token. So that skeleton creature token is going to be a 2-2 because of the Death Priest. But this is great. This is actually a triple lord, and vampires and zombies are very popular. Um, And the fact that this will probably pump out the skeleton every single turn if you're like an aristocrat's type shell, or even you just can sack your zombies or vampires or whatever it is, Seems like actually a really solid card. And that one one is a 2-2. Yeah, sounds solid. Now, does it bother you that it's a, a tiefling cleric and not any of these other types that it's pumping? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I guess clerics... Do you know what I mean? Because like sometimes lords overlap. So overlap, like this lord yeah. pumps this lord and this lord pumps... You know what I mean? Now, notably, it doesn't say other skeletons, vampires, and zombies. Typically, it would if this was... Turn it into a skeleton! Those. Turn it into a skeleton, <laughs> yeah. Uh, this just seems like a really strong tribal card, though, for anyone that has any of those and looks t- and wants to be sacking creatures or getting rid of creatures and pumping out other ones for them to use as fodder. So I think the vampire and zombie decks have very often had that as a sub-theme, whether it's aristocrats or just sack my zombie for this type of value 
So this is great. You're going to always get another 1-1 black skeleton at the end of each end step. Your end steps. Which is more stuff to sacrifice. More stuff to more sacrifice. Stuff to trigger. Because yeah. if you want to sacrifice things, you also want more bodies to sacrifice. So this kind of feeds itself. Yeah. So it's a pretty good rate for getting a 2-2. Uh, I just, I see this as like a pretty solid player in a lot of those types of decks. So I'm interested to see which one is going to make the most use of it. Sounds great. Next up, we have the Book of Vile Darkness. It is black, black, black for a legendary artifact. At the beginning of your end step, if you lost two or more life this turn, create a 2-2 black zombie creature token. You can tap and exile the Book of Vile Darkness and artifacts you control named Eye of Vecna and Hand of Vecna. Create Vecna, a legendary 8-8 black zombie god creature token with indestructible. It gains all triggered abilities of the exiled cards. Okay, so let's talk about Eye and Hand of Vecna. Eye of Vecna it enters the battlefield. You draw a card and lose two life. So that obviously synergizes with the Book of Vile Darkness. And then you can pay two mana in your upkeep to draw a card and lose two life. So you can keep that going. But two mana for a card is a bit expensive. And the Hand of Vecna is an equipment that, you can, that has an equip cost for one life for each card drawn in your hand so that's another way to lose two life by equipping it mm. to something so the eye of vecna just becomes a massive or sorry vecna becomes a huge thing with all of these abilities where it enters the battlefield you draw a card you can pay two life to draw or pay two man to draw a card and lose more life interesting uh the book of vile darkness by itself though because i don't think you're going to get all three of these things on the battlefield i think we have to evaluate this as just the black 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 artifact with that first ability. absolutely like people are going to try and you know as we talk about those other ones we'll we'll throw out there the idea that you could make the super vecna you know the new yeah. cauldra you know what i mean exactly but, but for the most part if you are including this in your commander deck you want each piece to function on its own so black 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 if you lost room or life you make a zombie okay so that's not the worst thing in the world keep in mind that necropotence is the same mana cost as this and the power levels here are Jimmy, a little bit different Jimmy, i'm sorry i'm don't sorry compare this to necropotence I mean, how could i not look at the mana cost um uh you know maybe if you're in like that crick deck uh but i feel like you have better ways to maximize the life loss because you're not drawing cards because of it you're just making a 2-2 black zombie creature token if you lost life yeah i think that you need to want zombies and you need to make four zombies or five zombies for this right. to be worth it. And that means that this is sticking around for four or five turns and that you've reliably lost life for value, you know, not just like randomly like, oops, I'll hurt myself, I'll mm -hmm. bolt myself, but you know, lost life for other reasons every single turn. And that's, that's difficult to do. Yeah. Honestly, I just want to see someone have the book and the eye and the handout at the same time. I think that would be the ultimate flavor win. Otherwise, I think this card is actually a little bit underwhelming. So yeah. I'm not Com a huge fan of it. Compare this to Endless Ranks of the Dead that just like, uh, just like yeah. amasses zombies and like a, a huge area. So I think that if you are playing this, you're going to want to make sure that those other two pieces are in there and you're just hoping you know what i yeah. mean or, or finding different ways or just trying to assemble this amazing voltron yeah, uh, totally. vecna on the battlefield which would be great totally all right moving on we have the forsworn paladin it's one black mana for a one one creature human knight with menace or manache you can pay one in the black and tap the paladin to pay one life and then you create a treasure token. So one in the black, pat, tap, pay one life. Not bad. Two in the black, activate ability. Target creature gets plus two, plus O oh until end of turn. And if mana from a treasure was spent to activate this ability, that creature also gains death touch until end of turn. So that second ability, not terribly relevant. This first one, though, it's one in the black and the life to create a treasure token. Does this count as ramp in black? 
So it doesn't actually ramp you because you're paying two to get one, but it can ramp you on your next turn. Yeah, and that treasure token, maybe you really want it because there are a lot of creatures now that love this. Uh, the, the sort of the new commander, uh, reclusive about, painter, Kalein. Yeah, what about G- Gilded Goose? You know what uh-huh, I mean? Yeah. You know Gilded Goose, after you use the first food, you have to pay two and tap it to create another food and then it can then eat use that, that food and it, use yeah. that food. Is this have a similar feeling to Gilded Goose in black? It does, but but you do get to make a treasure every single turn, but it does cost you two mana to make one. So it seems like one of those things where it's like, nice, if you have that extra two lying around, you better be making a treasure out of this thing. Um, and, you know, making those treasures, increasing them over time, maybe you have Zorn or Academy Manufacturing or whatever and oh, I would like make that. a lot of those treasures out there um but I, I could see this being just general kind of good stuff it's a menace creature so it can swing in it does have the ability to give a creature death touch and plus two plus oh i mean if you um, have infinite mana someone dies yeah for death. sure so <laughs> so at the very least you know it does have utility i do like the fact that you can make treasures with this because if you just happen to have two mana left over that you can't use then at your at someone's end step you can use this make a treasure and just sort of accumulate that extra mana over time and especially if there are commanders that want to use these treasures to to cast more spells like Colleen especially it seems like it, it works well in those worlds i can see this being useful in other formats too where a three mana menacing attacker that also gives death touch which makes it really difficult to block yeah you really like, don't want to because yeah. it'll be a three one with menace death touch you'll kill whatever blocks it yeah but i'm but again that's better in 20 20 life single mm-hmm. you know two player formats uh i'm excited to see whether that treasure generation is actually good enough yeah, I, I think that's one of those things, too. You just have to play it a bunch and see how it works in your decks and whether or not you can really make use of that. All right, next we have a Gelatinous Cube. Two black black for a 4-3 creature ooze. Jeez. It has Engulf. When Gelatinous Cube enters the battlefield, exile target non-ooze creature and opponent controls until Gelatinous Cube leaves the battlefield. Dissolve. X and black put target creature card with mana value X exiled with gelatinous cube into its owner's graveyard. Okay. I'm down with the first part of this. It's similar to like ravenous chupacabra or hostage taker, but it exiles a creature until the cubes off the battlefield. I am not down for the second part because you're putting an exiled creature into a graveyard. It seems like you want to do the opposite in Commander. I mean, I think that I agree with you, but we have seen that when they copy this effect in white, like on Banisher, Priest, or Fiend Hunter, I feel like that creature that's underneath it is never totally gone. Right. You know what I mean? So, like, you you get rid of the creature, I feel like, oh my gosh, I gotta... find some way around it like so for gelatinous cube i would get something out of there and i want to activate it to get it into your graveyard because i would be afraid someone would kill it and you'd get your creature back and get your etb back true what i mean i'm just more afraid that putting it in the graveyard gives them that chance and if they didn't have a removal spell maybe they have a reanimate well then you have the choice right Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like if you if you think like oh they're a graveyard deck i'm gonna leave it under gelatinous cube or you're like oh they're a deck that has removal spells Uh, I want to make sure that gelatinous cube, you know, I get this creature out from Mm -hmm. under gelatinous cube so that when it does die in the next board wipe, they don't get their creature back. At the very least, you can hold up mana for this if you think that they're going to try and remove it. And then if they do go to remove the cube to get their stuff back, you can just pay it to dissolve the creature into the graveyard. So there is a little bit of extra play going on there. It does have the biggest power of all the creatures that I mentioned. Right. Yeah. Four Four power for four powered four four means that it gets a creature out of the way and attacks really well. It would just be nice if it permanently exiled that creature. That would be 
I think that that would make it very good because it would be better than Ravenous Chupacabra. True. And I think that it would actually be a staple. I think at that point as well, it would be. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's not, but that's okay. Black has plenty of good removal already. All right, next up, we have the Planeswalker in black. It's Lolth, Spider Queen, three black black for a four uh, loyalty Planeswalker. Whenever a creature you control dies, put a loyalty counter on Lolth, Spider Queen. Wow, already off to a great start. (laughs) It's going to get so much loyalty, okay. All right, so this has three abilities. The first one is zero. It's you draw a card and you lose one life. Okay, zero cost to play this and draw a card, lose a life. That's very good rate. You don't have to lose any loyalty, but you don't gain any as well. Minus three, create two two one black spider creature tokens with menace and reach. So this will go from four loyalty down to one. You get two creatures it's that are two ones. Right there, yeah, that sure. is a real defense. And then the minus eight, you get an emblem with whenever an opponent is dealt combat damage by one or more creatures you control. If that player lost less than life, if that player lost less than eight life this turn, they lose life equal to the difference. We'll talk about that one in a sec. The wording is really interesting. Uh, first thing I note, whenever a creature you control dies, so this counts tokens. It counts the spiders that it creates. Yeah, so you can minus three to make two two ones, and if you have a sack outlet or they die blocking, Loth gets two more loyalty counters immediately. So I can see that they planned that out, that that basically they would get two more loyalty immediately, but then you couldn't just keep doing that over and over again. Right. You know what I mean? Then if you minus it again to protect it again, up oh, there's not enough loyalty. Fortunately, Loth is in commander, which means that there's going to be a lot hanging around the table. So if you already have a sack outlet oh. uh, for any creatures that are on the board, if you're playing aristocrats, whoo boy, you are going to town because again... This cares about just creatures, which is an amazing line of text that doesn't say non-token creatures. It really opens up Loth to being able to add a ton of loyalty on. And I think getting to that minus eight is more realistic than people might realize. I think that getting to the minus eight is totally doable. It's just, I mean, let's look at the minus eight. I just don't know if it's as good as drawing a card or losing a life or making two two one spiders. So it's weird wording because you actually kind of want to make them lose less life like with the you kind of want to just get in with one one unblockable one one, or one one yeah and yeah. then the trigger makes them lose seven you want to poke them for one and then they've lost less than eight life so it's eight minus one to take seven additional damage but how easily can you just get that one damage through and have that trigger i don't know and also it's not like it's a gigantic trigger in 40 life formats right you know you still have to get damage through yeah, I mean, you'd have to get damage through. You'd have to potentially want to do it to multiple players with like one, one, maybe like inkling tokens or something, but those are two ones. So you can't even double emblem and have it work. The idea, though, is that they're always going to tr- lose eight life, right? So if you hit them for you seven, the, you still have to get the damage through right. combat damage. So then maybe it doesn't even matter that you're poking them with small one ones. Maybe you could poke them with a four, four in the air and then they lose four extra damage. So what it is that as long as you're not doing more than eight damage to them in combat, yeah. then they're going to always lose eight. But then that's an, that's an emblem that essentially does four damage. You know, right. that is not a powerful emblem. No, but you know, given that you might be able to emblem this, the turn you play it, then maybe it's worth okay, it. Yeah, you're right. Then that is, I'm just thinking that the two, two ones are with minutes menace and reach is quite good yeah so i might actually draw more cards and get those spiders more often than i ultimate yeah and maybe then a little bit later when i have this overwhelming board i'm like i guess i'll ultimate because this thing has like 20 loyalty on it yeah i wonder if it's eight life because it's got it's a spider it has like eight legs or eight eyes or something yeah there you go okay so I think you definitely, the play pattern for this is you want to draw a card or drop spiders. You don't want to be doing any of that other stuff, right? Like you don't really care as much for the the Loth 
minus eight emblem unless you just have all of that mana or all of those creatures lying around to, to sacrifice and get loth to that level all right uh so next up we have power word kill kill one and a black for an instant destroy target non-angel non-demon non-devil non-dragon creature it's like a da- avada cadaver in a way right Ooh, so yeah. this is one and a black for an instant which kills pretty much everything Except, except for when it doesn't. Except what it doesn't, right? <laughs> Big angels, demons, devils, or dragons. I think angels and dragons and demons are going to be the more common ones. But yeah. this, you know, you wrote down that this kills 95 out of 100 of the top 100 creatures in Commander. Wow. But obviously, you could be facing down a dragon tribal deck, an angel... Tri- or like a Kalia deck, yeah. Yeah, a Kalia deck. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And then this, your removal spell does nothing. Um, I think it's a good comparison to, like, Victim of Night. Mm-hmm. Non-vampire, non-werewolf, you know. Um, that's in 3,000 decks. I mean, you think about it. What is? How does this compare to the two most commonly played black removal spells? Feed the Swarm in 19,000 decks and Deadly Rollick in 18,000 decks. Wow. This compares... I think kind of poorly. Mm. The instant speed is nice, but at the same time, we also have like tragic slip and that can pretty much get rid of anything without these extra little things in there. So black is the color of removal. They have lots of options. So I think power word kill is going to be great and limited, maybe great in standard historic. You just know your play group. Your play group doesn't have any of these things. Yeah. You're like, this is a staple. It's going to feel bad though. When the biggest, scariest thing on the table can't get removed by a power word kill. And very often those are dragons or angels or demons. Yeah. So I think that is slightly a, a bit of a downside here, but it, it, you know, if you just need redundancy and more cheap instant speed removal spells, that's nice. But you also have terror, right? Isn't that the same for just, non-black creature non-black non-artifact non-artifact yeah, yeah. so that, yeah. that could also cover a lot of stuff too so i think it depends on your play group but it definitely is up for debate next up we have sphere of annihilation x and a black for an artifact sphere of annihilation enters the battlefield with x void counters on it at the beginning of your upkeep exile sphere of annihilation all creatures and planeswalkers with mana value less than or equal to the number of void counters on it and all creatures and planeswalker cards in graveyards with mana value less than or equal to the number of void counters on it Ooh, this is an interesting removal spell yeah so it's a delayed exile so you cast it probably on your turn if you don't have flash and then you wait to your next upkeep and then you exile this, and then all creatures and planeswalkers with mana value less than the number of void counters. So let's love, say five. From both the battlefield and the graveyard, which is kind of cool. Yeah, exile and hitting the graveyard. But this is like the most telegraphed board wipe ever. Right. But if stuff is already on the table, they can't do anything about it, really, unless they bounce it to their hand. So it's telegraphed. Well, they kill the artifact. Yeah, that would be the worst, for sure, that they're killing the artifact. What is nice, though, is that, you know, if you're playing this in the deck, right, then you have a bunch of artifacts and enchantments or your instants and sorceries that don't care about the Sphere of Annihilation, or you set it to the point where your creature that needs to live is above the mana value of whatever X is. Mm. So I'm like, where does this C play? I could see this, like, maybe in a Sanctum of All type deck that plays all the shrines, because they're all enchantments. Maybe a Kest Dissident Mage, where you're spell-slinging a bunch. Maybe you're playing it in Cody, Vociferous Codex, because you're playing it before you play Cody or whatever it is. You play it at like for like six and then it wipes the board and then you play Cody and just dump out a bunch of sweet instants and sorceries. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. Being able to redeploy fast is is very good because one of the downsides of board wipes is that you wipe the board, but you've used all your mana getting rid of everything. Right. And so every other person gets a chance to redeploy before you. This does give you the chance to redeploy, but... What I like more than all of those other upsides that we talked about is reliability in my board wipes. And this board wipe is slow, 
mm-hmm. and telegraphed. Because, yeah, telegraphed so that your opponents have more opportunities to interact with it, which means that it's unreliable. So I don't think I'm going to be playing it at all. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a great card unless you can flash it in right before your upkeep and just sort of get your opponents. Mm. Um, at the same time, maybe you play it for X is equal to two and everyone's just okay with it and they let it go through because there's a bunch of problematic two drops or something. I let's do it for three and take out those annoying three mana planeswalkers. Okay, yeah. yeah let's down. do that. All right, cool. <laughs> All right, next up we have the Skullport Merchant. Two in the black for a dwarf citizen. That's a one four. When Skullport Merchant enters the battlefield, create a treasure token. And then you can play one in the black to sacrifice another creature or a treasure to draw a card. So this is one of those cards that's an uncommon that I think you don't want to sleep on because it's got one power. So the Shire Shizo Caretaker deck likes this a lot. Mm. Bounces it back to the outfield a bunch because it's got one power. You make more treasure tokens. Treasure's just good, honestly. Yeah, like, treasure's is- just good. Yeah, like this is just creating extra treasure is so good because this can ramp you into bigger things in later turns. Yeah, Yeah, you might be getting something a little bit underwhelming on turn three, but then on turn four, you're playing bigger things that can make bigger splashes. And it isn't even like this is useless. It has draw a card on it. Yeah, and you can sacrifice a creature or a treasure. I remember being really excited about Ruthless Knave, which said sack three treasures to draw a card. This is a much better rate, and you can sack creatures, including non-token creatures and token creatures you can steal a creature and sack it for value and get a card out of it so i like this a lot it doesn't you don't have to tap the skullport merchant Ooh. to do it as well this is again one of those cards i think just don't sleep on it it's an uncommon that has a lot of upside and it could definitely see play in the right decks down the line awesome all right next up we have a very on flavor equipment it is vorpal sword one black mana for this equipment it has equip cost black black equipped creature gets plus two plus oh and has death touch hmm. it also has an activated ability five black 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 until end of turn vorpal sword gains whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player that player loses the game it's like phage the untouchable all right so again this has like the ultimate on it you know what i mean that's a lot of mana but one black mana two black to equip plus two plus one death touch not bad by itself. That's that's fine, I think. It is black, black to equip, so you need to be playing this in that's a black right. heavy deck. But that's still a one mana equipment that gives a really relevant ability, which is Death Touch. Yeah, if you want a sword in your deck, this could be a really good one. Uh, but the fun factor of just saying, I'll attack you, and you're like, how much mana do you have up there? And you're like, enough. Eight. <laughs> And you're in black, right? So you have your Cabal Coffers, your Crypt Gas, your Magus of the Coffers. You have the ability to get to eight mana for sure. And if it's a Death Touch creature, they're going to have to block it. So they're probably going to lose something. Oh my God. Or they're going to put into a really awkward spot where they have to remove something. You know, it's interesting. I think Vorpal Sword is, again, got tons of upside, super flavorful, love the art. And the ability is just a lot of fun. I think think that people are going to, you're going to, people are going to die from this. I'll attack you with Vorpal Sword. How much mana do you have? Oh, I don't, I don't have eight. No blocks. And it's like dark ritual. Dark ritual. (laughs) Cabal ritual. I got eight. Eight. Yeah. Whoops. Sorry. You lose the game. All right. Next up, we have the class in black. It is warlock class. So one mana for an enchantment class. It comes in with the ability at the beginning of your end step. If a creature died this turn, each opponent loses one life. That's relevant in Aristocrats deck just by itself. I think this 
makes a case for aristocrats decks that might want to play it. And if it's just a creature died, not even one of yours. Yep. So you have more control over your own creatures dying, but if you just have a deck that's very easily taking out other people's creatures, this could just add a little bit of extra damage. Mm-hmm. Now, if you pay two mana, you're going to level this up to level two. And when this class becomes level two, look at the top three cards of your library, put one of them into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. So the graveyard part is really relevant in black decks as well. Two mana, so three mana to look at the top three and draw a card. But it also has this amazing ability stapled onto it. So two mana at any other turn in the future seems like an okay rate to pay for that. This is Ransack the Lab, which is a spell that you should just be playing in black decks. I honestly think that it gives you really good selection and, and smoothly moves through your deck so yes so far this is great what about this ultimate ability uh well this ultimate ability is wound reflection it's six in the black to get to level three at the beginning of your end step each opponent loses life equal to the life they lost this turn wow so if you're in that aristocrats deck this is kind of a finisher in a lot of ways or even if you're in a combat based deck this is another huge finisher come you know pair this up with lolth and all of a sudden they're losing eight plus times two right yeah this is an incredibly powerful effect when you get up there. It makes all of your things kind of have double strike a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing to note, though, that it is at the beginning of your end step only. So it is something that you have to be doing that damage. Uh, wound reflection and other cards like that. Like, let's say if you attack, you know, Josh on your turn, wound then reflection right. reflects all of that damage just for your opponents. This is only going to trigger on my turn. So yeah. it's not quite as powerful as wound reflection, but let's not like talk down its power level. It is great. And this is an uncommon yeah, and here's the thing. You may never actually activate it for seven mana, but let's say you look at your board state, you look at the game, you go, the only way I'm going to win is by getting this to level three and doubling up the damage I'm doing because I have tons of life loss abilities with aristocrat drains or whatever it is. So there is a world where I think Warlock class, just for the first level one and level two, is definitely playable, um, especially if that level two is something especially that you level want. two. Yeah. Level two is Don't great. Don't you want to select and draw the right card? Yeah, absolutely. Totally want to do that. Love it. Love it. All right. Next up, we have Westgate Regent. It's three black black for a four, four vampire with flying. It has ward of discard a card. Ooh. That's so a whenever, real cost. Yeah. Whenever a creature becomes a target of a spell and or ability and opponent controls, they have to get it countered unless they discard a card. <laughs> I'm never targeting this thing. That's good protection. And whenever Westgate region deals combat damage to a player, put that many plus one plus one counters on it. Okay. So the first time it hits someone as a four, four, it's going to get four plus one plus one counters. Then it's going to get eight, then 16, <laughs> then 32. Probably not going to get that far, but that's a big up uh, tick in power and toughness. This is just a a big, powerful beater of a vampire, and it does have this sort of long game potential that makes it relevant in Commander. If this just attacked for four, yeah. you'd be like, it's fine, we'll deal with it eventually. But the fact that it doubles up every time means that it becomes more relevant in these multiplayer formats. I would politic my way out of this and be like, look, you can hit me for free the first time. Oh, that's good. Dude, listen just, to Jimmy. Just hit me for free. I don't care. Just as get it out of the way. As long as you don't hit me the second and third times. And then everyone else has to hit, be hit for eight and 16. And hopefully by the time he gets to 32, someone's going to have gotten rid of this thing. I love as well that like, to get rid of it, you're gonna have to. You're gonna make them discard an extra card. Yeah. So they're two for wanting themselves just to get rid of it when they have to. When yeah. It's exactly. Big. Yeah. 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 Oh, vampire really decks are gonna love this. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's gonna wrap it up for black and white when it comes to commander cards that we like in the '99 from Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. DJ, what was your favorite card that we talked about today from white and black? I think my favorite card is uh, the Book of Exalted Deeds. Ah. Uh, okay. I the really white one, like the, angel the idea. One? Yeah. yeah. Of building your own platinum angel. Yeah. Yeah, but also cool. like 
I have a life gain deck. I have an angels deck. So just paying white, white, white and pumping out more angels that get that synergize with my other angels is mm-hmm. just going to be really good. So, so personally, that's that's my go-to card right here. Okay. Uh, I'm a big fan of Lolth, the Spider Queen. I really want to play this in some decks and pump out a bunch of tokens or just get this really high. And, and at the very least, draw a card and lose a life every single turn that's out. Seems pretty good to me. I like this card a lot, especially because, again, it, it, it doesn't say non-token creature. It's just any creature you control dying. So, I love how well it protects itself. Yeah, you know? oh, 100%. You, you need that level of protection in Commander much more so than in 1v1, and I yeah. think that this actually has it. Yeah, it protects itself in a bunch of different ways. Okay, what is your vote for the most powerful card in the set from these two colors specifically? Uh, my pick. Uh, you mean t- our pick? It's our pick. Teleportation circle. Yep. It's three and a white for a very relevant effect. You're going to bounce things and re- flicker them. And we all know just how important flickering is because there's so many... And there's, the so, battlefield there's so many in the battlefield effects. Like we've seen how so good, many. we've seen how good ephemerate is in white, right? Mm-hmm. Like I feel like I've put it in way more decks than I need to. And we've seen the new Thassa be able to blink things in blue decks. And it's been quite good when I've seen it played, mm-hmm. which means that uh, teleportation circle is just going to be great. It's just going to be awesome. It's yeah. going to be perfect. And it fits into artifact matters decks as well. Uh, also a big, big fan of loyal Warhound and guardian of faith. Guardian of faith. I think yeah. is another one. Guardian of faith might be better in better for white decks Mm -hmm. but it's a little bit like uh eat your vegetables kind of thing whereas i want to blank stuff for value (laughs) yeah 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 totally (laughs) so there's a lot of great white cards here i'm really impressed uh to the listeners let us know what you think about the white and black cards that we've talked about today from afr really exciting in general i think there's a lot to talk about here also let us know your thoughts on the class cards paladin class warlock class all that stuff I, i am interested to see if you think they're worth it, uh, if you are a level one, level two type of person, or if you're trying to pump that to level three every single time, and let us know if there's anything that we missed as well in the comments below. You can tweet at us or find us on Instagram and all of those good platforms. Finally, if you want to buy any of these cards, make sure you go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone because that's where you're going to be able to get them. That's where you're going to be able to get your ingenious smith as that that's just being an awesome uncommon. Your death priest of miracle oh, yeah. or your skullport merchant. Oh, your skullport merchant. I yeah. love when uncommons are really awesome gets in, in sets because they're easy to attain. And by going to cardkingdom.com slash command zone, you can get those cards in your inbox slash real mailbox very quickly and slot them into the decks that are, they're going to do the most work in. So please. Do you know what that. I mean? Like just spend five bucks, you know, use the you know use the affiliate link but then get a bunch of uncommons that you can start playing with these cards right now yeah and you know what we might have been excited about some mythics but you know we could wait let's get those uncommons in our decks immediately totally especially because those commons do a lot of work i think skullport merchant i'm telling you i I feel have a good feeling about this card okay and of course ultra pro as well as one of our sponsors they make the awesome play mats you can see that we have the gelatinous cube here on djs i believe i have an adult gold dragon on this one as well Uh, just a beautiful looking i mean your dragon is very beautiful it categorically is. but come on you're gonna have the ooze underneath your cards aren't you i'm not gonna get put in the ooze so you can just take that away this from me cube. my dragon's gonna fly away from your ooze and put me in the graveyard uh make sure you check out ultra pro especially if you're at a local game store and you're trying to rejuvenate the local economy because we're all coming back from this pandemic and i can't wait to play some cards with all of you in person very very soon all right no end step on these review episodes so we're just gonna go straight to clean up step and give a big thanks to our amazing team here at the command zone lady danger manson lung craig blanchett ashlyn rose out for the soccer josh murphy jake boss patrick nan jordan Pridgen, arthur meadowcroft sam waldo guarv galati and special thanks to jeffrey palmer who does the living card animations that will live behind us occasionally on set and always start our show on our channel on youtube and you can find them on twitter at living cards mtg okay we have one more set 
part of the set to review for In the 99 coming up, where we're talking about the colorless cards and the multicolored cards. And some and green the lands, cards. And some green cards as well. Yeah. Lots left. Lots of interesting things to talk about, as well as a bunch more classes. So make sure you don't miss it. Subscribe to the channel. Do all that good stuff. And we'll see you next time. See you soon. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.